So last week we heard from Carl, and he gave his testimony of grace, and today it is your misfortune that it's my turn. (laughs) Next week, if someone would like to share a testimony of how God, uh, maybe uh, some act of mercy in their life recently, how God recently delivered them, or their testimony, how they came to Christ, uh, please see Carl or myself, and we would love to hear from you. so at this time we take seven minutes. Uh, Joel asked that we give a testimony of grace. So I'm about a minute into it, so I have six more minutes. <laughs> so my story begins uh, November 17th, 1964. That's when I was born. And Sounds I, like more than six minutes. Thank you. And this is a very American tale. A tale of adventure, a tale with music, a tale with religion, and a tale with redemption. Okay, but that's the long version. Today you get the Reader's Digest version. So I was born in Griffith Park, California. Does anyone know where Griffith Park is? Yeah. It's in Los Angeles, City of Angels. And when I was born, it was famous for one thing, a zoo. Okay, and so my sister would always say that I was born in the zoo, in the monkey cage, <laughs> but I wasn't. I was born in a maternity home, and that it was a Christian Science maternity home, and I was born into a family of Christian Scientists. And for those of you who don't know what Christian Scientists are, or what Christian Science is, I like to reckon it by way of analogy. I say Christian Science is a lot like. Now this may fall flat. I gave, this, I gave this analogy in my seminary class. Nobody knew what I was talking about. Okay, so I'll explain it. I say Christian science is a lot like Captain Kangaroo. Right? Do people know who Captain Kangaroo is? Okay. Young people don't. He was the host of a cartoon show. Uh, very famous, Southern California. Kind of a weird-looking dude with a Dutch boy uh, haircut. And he wore a, a red smock and he had a... Uh, you know, his hair was gray, uh, must, gray mustache. Actually, nowadays, there's no way that would fly. Anyway, he went by the name of Captain Kangaroo. Captain Kangaroo was not a military officer, nor was he a marsupial. <laughs> Christian science is not Christian, and it's not science. So I was born into a family that believed not the gospel. They believed in something else. Okay? They ha- we had the Bible. I read the Bible. I knew where the Ten Commandments were. I memorized the Ten Commandments. I knew where the Lord's Prayer was. Okay? I, I had a little bracelet that had the 23rd Psalm on it. Okay? We had the Bible, but we denied the power of. We had a Jesus, but it was not the Jesus of the Bible. Okay? In Christian science, they don't believe in the fall. They believe that sin is the belief in sin, disease, sickness, and death. They believe that sin is the belief in sin, disease, sickness, and death. It's a very heady thing. So imagine being a little boy and they're teach they're catechizing you in their religion. It's it doesn't make sense. Okay. As an adult it doesn't really make sense, okay? Because what I was taught is that matter's not real and it's illusion. So when you're in pain, it's not real. That's not real. Evil is not real. The Vietnam War was not real. People dying was not real. My experience of pain, of asthma, 
was not real. When I could not breathe at night as a little boy, that was not real. That's what they told me. And I love my parents and they love me, so I believed them, but yet I still couldn't breathe. It didn't help me. So I was raised in this belief of not believing the Bible, believing that Jesus was not God, but that he was a man who took on the Christ consciousness and realized what we need to be freed from and we need to be freed from the belief that sin, disease, sickness, death, and evil were real. Okay, so that's how I was raised. And then, but at the same time, I'm about like eight minutes in, huh? Uh, um, uh, I was, uh, it was during the, the Jesus People Movement. And so, in 1969, when I was four, we moved to Mission Viejo, California from, from L.A. And we were close to Laguna Beach. And for those of you who don't know, Laguna Beach was the hippie land. Man, it was, it was Haight-Ashbury down here. It was the hippie scene. But it was also the scene of the Jesus People movement. And uh, it was a huge revival where people who, as a little boy, I thought looked like Jesus, became Christians. You know, long-haired, beardo people, you know. Um, and so I was brought in that, I, I grew up in that, th this area during that time. So what did I see? I saw a lot of born-again stickers, talk about being born again, talk about the king coming. All this stuff was going on. Kids in my school were talking about it. High school, uh, John, John Ryan over here witnessed to me. And you know what he, how he witnessed to me? Hey, if you, don't, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to hell. <laughs> For real. Him and his brother, Rob Ryan, that's how they witnessed to me. Okay, so I had all these, you know, I'm told this is not real. And all, all this other stuff's going on, people witnessing to me. So in my head, a lot of things are spinning, okay? And then, um, in 1983, two friends came to me and they said, Sam, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to go to hell. And I said, well, I don't want to go to hell. What do I have to do? So I prayed the sinner's prayer. And boom, like that, nothing happened. Okay. <laughs> it took till 1987 of me going to church and hearing the Word of God, sinning, repenting, thinking I'm going to hell, sinning, repenting, going, you know, receiving Christ, and then finally, in 1987, sitting under the preaching of the Word, I believed in Jesus. I believed that He is true God and true man, that He came and fulfilled the law perfectly in my behalf. He died in my behalf, and that He rose in my behalf too. And that all my sins are forgiven because of what He did. And I received His grace. And I was born again. And it changed my life. It changed my life. And that's just a little bit of my story. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Sam. Um, I hope that you guys are encouraged by these testimonies of God's grace. Uh, you know, in the Reformed Church, we don't we don't uh, hear testimonies very often, um, and I think that uh, it actually kind of does a disservice. As I was thinking about this uh, this week, um, preparing to come up here, preparing my heart um, as much as I humanly can, do that. Um, 
It dawned on me that what is the Bible except for one giant testimony to God's grace towards mankind? Um, it's just story after story after story told to us about how God actually works in creation, how God works in history. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring people up, why I wanted to ask to hear this, not just about how people get saved, but about what God's actually doing today. Because I feel like right now, if you're like me, um, like things are, things are a little bit uh, crazy. They're crazy in the world. They're crazy in life. They're crazy at work. They're crazy at home. And it's easy to get our eyes just locked in on what's happening, um, whether it's politically or it's financially or it's in relationships. Um, it's easy to get locked in on that and to lose sight of the grand scheme, the beautiful plan that God has and he's working out in history through people just like you and like me. Um, so thank you, Sam. Thank you, Carl. Um, I hope the church, you guys are, are encouraged by this. If you would, please uh, take out your bulletins or open your Bibles. Um... We're going to continue looking into uh, the Lord's Prayer. And today, I honestly was going to title this, uh, this sermon, um, Praying for God. Um, but then I thought that might sound a little bit wonky to people. And so I wanted to make sure you came um, and didn't think that I was going to go haywire or anything. But today what we're going to do is we're going to look at, uh, at these beautiful kind of heavenly prayers. Um, the first set of petitions that are all focused towards God and His kingdom. Um, pretty amazing. Pretty amazing that God would let us pray for Him and for His work. It's kind of kind of wild. So let's let's dive in. Let me uh, let me ask you guys to stand. Um, we don't stand out of respect for me. We stand out of respect for the ultimate speaker, which is uh, Jesus. And listen to God's word. Um, for you today. You can find it in your bulletin or in Matthew chapter 6. Um, Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. Let's pray together. Lord, we come to you now. Um, Father, we come to you uh, with gratefulness in our hearts that when we pray, you hear. Um, That in our brokenness, you invite us to come and open up our hearts to you, and you actually give us the language to do that. Through the Lord's Prayer, through the Psalms, through the Scriptures, Lord, you give us the, the words to say. Um, but yeah, we know our hope is not in the words that we say. Our hope is in Christ, um, through whose work we are now uh, your children, and we can call you Abba Father. We can cry out, Abba Father. So Lord, be with us today. Uh, God, you know my heart's a big jumbled mess this morning. Um, be with us. Uh, give your give your uh, your preacher a clarity. Give him the joy of his salvation. Uh, forgive us all of our sins for Christ's sake. Amen. You may be seated. 
Uh, Lord's Prayer has kind of taken on um, kind of a new beautiful meaning in my life over this last week. Uh, this is this is actually going to be kind of a hard sermon for me to preach. And I'm just going to be honest with you. That's why I brought my crying towel. Um, uh, uh, the Lord's the Lord's Prayer has become something new and very real to me. Um, uh, this this week, uh, my grandma started to lose her memory. Um, she thought I was her son last night. She's 98 years old. Um, and, you know, last night I had the real deep privilege of going to my grandma's house and sitting with her and uh, with... with um, with people from from my family uh we're all believers and we sat together and we sang songs together and we prayed together and i assured her of the forgiveness of her sins um my grandma is slipping uh this is sorry this is the third major death this year for my family um it's a bad year 2020 man yeah, that's twenty twenties for the birds. Um, it's a third, third big, big thing like this for us. And uh, but to see her pray the Lord's prayer, she couldn't remember us. She didn't know who I was, but she knew the Lord's prayer. See, guys, that um. This is the beauty of this passage. The beauty of this passage is this prayer is something that can be prayed when you don't remember anything else. It can be assented to when you when when your mind is gone, when you're swearing that you've just spoken to your relative who actually has died 30 years before. That's the power of the Lord's prayer. Um, today, we're going to take a look at these heavenly petitions, um, and in this in this section, we actually are praying for God's will and God's work. We're praying for His name. Here I was last night holding my grandma's hand. Praying that God's name would be honored in the last moments of her life. What a beautiful thing. What a huge privilege. What an amazing thing to be able to do that. This prayer has taken on so much importance over the last week. For me, for my family. Because in this prayer, we're actually like, I'm invited in, in my brokenness, to actually pray for the work of God in this world. Um, In all of the ugly places of my life, I'm invited in to pray for the work of God. In all of the good places in my life, I'm invited in and given the words to speak to God in the hardship. So today as we go through these first three petitions, it's going to be my prayer that that your heart is just opened up by the kindness of God. That's my hope. My hope is that your heart is opened up by the kindness of God as you see how beautiful it is that even on our deathbed we're invited in. 
that even in the hardness of life, as we face things that are incredibly difficult, we're invited in. So let's look at it. I'm sorry, this is going to be a little bit of a, a, like I said, a difficult sermon, but let's just dive in and go forward and see where God takes us. First point, heavenly petitions. Um, There's three actually things that we ask for in these first three petitions. Um... And the first petition is, we're asking God, we want your name to be honored as holy. Um, you may be a dad, kids, you may, uh, uh, yeah, you may love your dad, I don't know. Your dad may be your hero, even. Um, for me, my dad was always my hero growing up. And um, kids, when, when my dad would show up, like, I would know that things were going to be okay most of the time. Um, I didn't want I didn't want my dad to be looked at as someone who was foolish because I acted like a fool. Um, the things that I did I knew reflected on my family. The ways I lived reflected on my family. Now, of course, um, being the person that I am, uh, my wife commented on this the other night. She said, Joel, every time someone tells you what to do, you do the exact opposite thing. Um, she's been asking me to trim my beard for weeks now. Um, I just let it keep growing. Um, but in this first petition, what we're seeing is this desire of, of, of God that his name be seen as holy. And there's a couple of dimensions with this. There's like a positive dimension to this, right? That people would see God for who he is. And just like I always wanted to show my dad off, right? I wanted my dad to come around in his big truck. I wanted to come around with his big laugh. I wanted him to make people happy because I knew he could do that and bring joy to a situation. When we pray, God, your name be honored as holy, we want people to actually start to see God for who he is. Kind, merciful, loving, just. We want, we want to give testimony to the work that he does in the world and the work that he's done in our hearts. The work of salvation, the work of redemption. We're actually praying, God, we want you to be elevated to a place in our own lives and in the lives of the world around us that when people look at you, they don't think this guy is a cosmic killjoy. They think to themselves, this guy is worth being around. I want him as my father. There's also a negative dimension to this, right? When we pray, God, I want your name to be honored as holy. We're actually praying that we would actively desire and pursue holiness. That we would put off sin and put on righteousness so that people could see that he's holy in us. We're praying the people, when they look at our lives, they actually see the change in place because of the work of God. Let me just pause there for a second. 
How does that make you feel? <laughs> How does that make you, like, as you sit back and think on your life, how does that make you feel? I mean, for me, I'm like, yeah, that would be awesome if people would do that. And yet I know how I act at work. Um, I know that when I'm around my kids and they make me mad, uh, like, that's not the greatest thing in the world. I know my own rebellious spirit, my own rebellious heart. Second petition. Your kingdom come. This is one that's actually pretty pretty hard. I don't know about you guys, um, but as we live in this world where kind of everyone everyone should be accepted for whatever uh, they do, um, this is actually a really hard uh, petition to pray. Your kingdom come. I don't know if you've ever played the game Risk or not, but my son is like right in the middle of Risk. Um, he loves that game. And we play it electronically. There's actually a game where we can link up on our cell phones and all play Risk together on our cell phones. And my son just loves to conquer people. Um, absolutely loves to just take over. And like, he'll even go to the point where he's willing to lose the game in order to beat someone. <laughs> When we pray, your kingdom come, what we're actually praying is that Christ's kingdom would advance to such an extent that all other kingdoms would fall away. When we pray, your kingdom come, we're praying, in essence, God, we, we want to see we want to see all other false religions just be pushed aside in the wake of your kingdom coming. That's a very anti-American like sort of trope right now to be praying. That's a very anti-modern like, uh, um, way of thinking. God, we want your kingdom to be such that even people who don't believe in you have to recognize your kingdom and your kingship. Oh, that's hard. Because it doesn't just apply to religions outside of us. It applies to what goes on inside of our hearts. When we pray, your kingdom come, we're actually praying, God, so take over my heart that every other allegiance, every other loyalty that I have would just be broken down and I would bow the knee to nothing but you. Jesus tells us, right, um, that to follow him, we actually have to give up father and mother and brother um, allegiances. Uh, Jesus' kingdom coming isn't just like a half measure. Uh, when Jesus' kingdom come, it's like the whole risk board is covered in the kingdom of God. The whole risk board of your life is covered in the kingdom of God. 
prayer just keeps getting scarier and scarier, right? <laughs> when we pray, your kingdom come, we're saying, God, I don't want to have allegiance over, um, over you to my family. I don't want to have allegiance over you to my possessions. I don't want to have allegiance over you to anything but you. That's all that I want to follow. All other things pale in comparison to you and your kingdom. You see, this prayer is exclusive. (laughs) It actually says, like all these false religions, it's my desire to see them done away with so that the kingdom of Christ can reign. Any, any, anything that would stand up against the kingdom of Christ done away with so that the kingdom of Christ will reign on earth and in my heart. You see, we pray that the kingdom will triumph over all other kingdoms. We pray that the kingdom will come in our homes, in our families, in our hearts. We pray for peace and justice and kindness to reign in the world. It's really interesting to me that these first two petitions line right up with the Ten Commandments. Hallowed be your name. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Your kingdom come. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall shall not make a craven image. You shall not make anything to bow down to or worship outside of me. What's interesting to me is that this prayer, your kingdom come, matches right up with the last prayer we read in the Bible. If you have your Bibles, turn in them to Revelation chapter 22. In this, we're reading about the time being near. John is seeing this. And we'll start off in verse 16. He said, Jesus says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to attest these things to you for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David. There he's, he's saying that he is the king. Um, he's the long-expected messianic king. I am the root. The bright morning star. And then the spirit and the bride. That's us. That's the church. We cry out, Come! Let anyone who hears say, Come! Let anyone who is thirsty come! Let the one who desires and take the water of life freely. And then just skip right down to verse 20. He who testifies about these things says, Yes, I'm coming soon. And then the church responds, And we hear this beautiful benediction, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. You see, when we pray your kingdom come, what we're actually praying is not just that Christ's kingdom would reign over this earth, but we're praying that the end would come. 
that Christ's kingdom would come and put an end to this foolishness, to the sadness. As we pray for this, we're praying for the end of this age and all the things that mark it. Sickness, dementia, sadness, misinformation, cancer, death, lies, deceit, rape, molestation, racism, terrorism, sexism. We're praying that all of those things would end and that Christ's kingdom would be ushered in. Third petition. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's just like, honestly, I don't know about you guys, but it's just like the weight's piling up, right? Um, Your name be honored as holy in everything that I do. The world around me. Your kingdom come and put to death all the kingdoms that are in my heart. Might I live that way? Now your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know what's amazing? Um, There's nothing that happens outside of God's will one way or the other, right? Um, In heaven especially, like nothing happens that God doesn't will. But this is a tough one. One author says this, in summary... What we're praying for is that we may wish for nothing outside of ourselves, but His Spirit may govern our hearts. (laughs) Totally, completely governed by the will of the Spirit. Let me just stop there. Does that describe you? Totally and completely locked in with the Spirit all the time. Doesn't describe me. As I meditated on this on this petition this week, I was struck by what a mixed bag my heart was. Um, kids, you know what a mixed bag is, right? Like you you go and you get like your thing of crayons or maybe your markers. Right? Like your bag full of markers. Every kid has a bag or a drawer full of markers. Um, And you're getting ready to color, and you reach in the bag, and let's say you're just trying to get a yellow highlighter, right? And you reach in the bag, and all of a sudden you pull out like a red marker. And then you pull out a brown marker. And then you're like, dude, all I wanted was a yellow marker. And you pull out another, another red marker that somehow snuck in the bag. Because you always have to have two or three of one color. And then you finally get to the yellow marker and you take the cap off. And the yellow marker actually has that kind of like weird brown black film over the top because it's been colored over by other things, right? That's like our hearts. Like our hearts are a mixed bag. We want to do God's will. We want God, we want to be in step with, with what Jesus wants. And yet so often when we reach in the bag to actually do God's will, it's like a completely different color marker. Or when we're actually doing God's will, that marker is like shaded with a little bit of other colors.
kind of like on, on Halloween, right? You reach in the candy bag and you're trying to get the candy you want and you actually pull out the worst candy in the bag, right? Like the no-name knockoff brand that you're like, really? Like, come on. You know, you're reaching for an Almond Joy and you get like one of those weird honey chew things that are just odd. Um, you see, in this third petition... We're not just praying that God would carry out His will. We're praying that we would be willfully, willingly, and joyfully a part of God's will. That that would be actually the desire of our heart, but not just the desire. The desire would match up with our actions. You see, all three of these speak to one common theme. God being absolutely, totally, fully glorified in every part of our lives. Whew. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot to pray for. And if you're like me, man, there are days where your heart feels like it's in it. But then there are days where you're just like, I just don't know. I don't know if I got it in me. Um, second thing, heavenly prayers. We've looked at the petitions. Let's think about prayer. Heavenly prayer. And these three petitions, right, God is inviting us in to pray for His person for his work, for his person, for his work. Does that strike you as odd? <laughs> that God would ask you to pray for him? Um, it did me. Uh, how can we pray for the things of heaven? Right? Our, our, our hearts aren't naturally inclined to desire God to be glorified over us. We don't want to submit naturally. We don't want to bend our wills to God's will. We don't want Him to rule. Because so often we see God's kingdom as an inconvenience to our own. Um, it's like God's, God's kingdom is great on Sunday morning between 11 and 12... But at 12.02, like, everybody better get in lockstep with my kingdom. And, you know, our prayers show that all the time, right? Like, I think it's fascinating that God starts out the Lord's Prayer, which, by the way, is like a 30-second prayer. I mean, like, just meditate on that for a little bit. Um, that God doesn't ask us to pray a 30-minute prayer. That God doesn't ask us to pray a one-hour prayer. When we ask God, how do we pray? He's like, yeah, here. Here's 30 seconds worth of material. Pray this way. Here's the beauty of it. If your heart is like mine, a mixed bag, a mess, a jumble most of the time, God gives us... God gives us this prayer and listens to our mixed bag prayers. 
not because of the purity of our motives or our intentions, but because Jesus has made our hearts pure before the Father. You see, as my heart wants to fight against the kingdom of God, because I know it means I'm going to have to change, (laughs) something about me deeply needs to be changed. When I pray the Lord's Prayer, God looks at that and he sees it as coming from pure intentions, from a pure heart. Because my heart has been made pure by the Father. Like, that's good news. God doesn't expect you to get it all right. What He does is He gives you a simple prayer to pray. This is why I had us read this Martin Luther quote at the beginning of the service. If you take out your bulletins and you look at it, Luther says this, this this is certainly the very best prayer that ever came to earth or that anyone could ever have thought up because God the Father composed it through His Son and placed it into His mouth. There is no need for us to doubt that it pleases Him immensely. You see, your prayer weak and mixed with sin as it is, pleases God. Pleases your good Father. But it doesn't just stop there. Jesus, through the power of the Spirit, sanctifies your prayer. He makes it holy. So that when we we pray this, even with our mixed bag hearts, these actually become true prayers for us. Jesus, through His Spirit, is working in our hearts in such a way and is making our prayers perfect before the Father in such a way that this jumbled mess, the jumbled mess of our intentions become perfect before the Father, sanctified, holy, Pure. I mean, what if it, what an encouraging thought. If you've if you've ever like had kids or been around kids that aren't yours, right? And like as they're learning to talk, they kind of babble some. And then you're trying to figure out what they want, and then their parent comes and is like, "Oh yeah, they were asking for this toy." And you're like, "How did that happen? Like how did you get that from that mess?" Right? Jesus comes and interprets our prayers. He actually takes them and cleans them up and then presents them to the Father as beautiful, holy, pure prayers. You know what's amazing? God spoke with a lisp so that we could understand Him. He actually condescended to speak in a language so that we could know Him. And when we speak back to Him in our jumbled, messed up ways, Jesus takes our broken prayers and makes them perfect. Third thing 
to encourage you with. God doesn't need your prayer to accomplish his work. <laughs> God isn't dependent on you or I to pray perfectly so that his work can be carried out on earth. And yet, he still invites us to pray. He still invites us to pray so that as a part of his family, he can love us and through us love our world around us. He invites us to participate with him in his work, praying for the things that he cares about. Kids, as you grow up, you'll have to buy presents for your dad. Um, you'll have to figure out what your dad wants eventually. Um, I'm now. I've been buying presents for my dad for 25 years. I still don't know what the heck he wants. Um, you know what's always funny about dads? Dads typically know what their kids want, right? I mean, like, I don't know about you, but like, periodically as a dad, I really nail it on Christmas. Um, my son opens up and it's like exactly what he wanted in the color he wanted. My daughter opens up and it's like the exact outfit. I went to this store, shopped all around, bought her. Here's the deal. Your prayers, kids, when they're offered up to God, you may in your heart not really understand what God wants. None of us do. But God knows what you need and you want. And he invites you to pray to him. And then he answers your prayers. Last thing. What blows my mind about this prayer is that this is the prayer that Christ prayed. <laughs> when, when people ask him, Jesus, how do we pray? Jesus is like, just like this. And now as we pray these prayers, our voices, even though to our ears they're like a distant echo of Jesus' voice, to the Father, because of the work of Christ, He hears the voice of His sons and daughters in whom He's well pleased. Brothers and sisters, when we pray, whether it's the Lord's Prayer or a psalm, whether it's a cry or a groan or a simple prayer like, Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Our Heavenly Father smiles because our prayers rise to Him like sweet-smelling incense surrounding His throne. You see, that's what gives me hope when I'm sitting next to my dying grandmother praying this prayer. Her prayer rises to Jesus like sweet-smelling incense. It's not diminished because she can't remember. Jesus looks on that. The Father looks on that and smiles because His child who He loves is reaching and praying and hoping and having faith in her good father 
So, may the Father encourage your hearts today. As you seek to commune with Him in your broken ways, knowing that both your prayers and your hearts are made perfect, fit for heaven, because of the work of Jesus Christ on your behalf. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. God, um, yeah, thank you. Father, thank you that you love us enough that you give us simple prayer to pray. A simple prayer like this, 30 seconds of praying, that holds a, a lifetime's worth of meaning. Lord, we pray that you would give us hearts to see that you love us even in our brokenness so that we might turn to you in our brokenness and our sins and find you there in our weakness, find you there ready to hear and willing to answer. We pray this all in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen.